Is that live? Yeah, there we go. How about the clock, Nicholas? Are we going to just... There's a lot to talk about here, and I'll be very tempted to run over. Okay, let's get started. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, very happy to introduce Martin Wade, who is the CEO of Grindrod Shipping. Um, Martin, it's a, I think it's for many of, of us in this room, uh, maybe a, a less well-known name. So I'd be very happy if you could uh, give a short introduction and a little bit of the history of the company and some of the recent developments that, uh, that, are, that are of interest. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, everyone. A um, little bit of background, been in the business 40 years, worked uh, all over the world, London, uh, Johannesburg, New York, and, and now Singapore, owners, operators, brokers. Um, I joined Grinrod 10 years ago, uh, set up their uh, operating division. And that was when Grinrod, through the good times in the market, made, made a lot of money. Old-fashioned South African owner, 108 years, trading on the coast, uh, cement carriers, car carriers, all small stuff. Got in, into the tanker market some 55 years ago, into the dry side full-time towards the end of uh, the 90s with the purchase of Island View. And with the money that was made, they rightly uh, decided to, uh, to invest it in, uh, in non-shipping, so more land-side logistics infrastructure but of course in the process became a conglomerate. And as we went forward, people wanted to buy shares in a shipping company, they wouldn't buy Grinrod because of course there were other aspects. The decision was taken at the end of 2016 that shipping really should have its own platform, own listing, um, to make us independent, small shipping board, and to put ourselves on the market here in order to pursue a growth strategy. And uh, we duly listed, it was a spin-off uh, in, uh, in June, so every shareholder in Grinrod Limited got a share in Grinrod Shipping on day one. And now uh, yeah, I'm in, into the markets and uh, trying to get our story out there. Tell us, tell us a little bit about your, your, your main shipping businesses and, and, and commercial uh, strategies. We're in two sectors, which of course, uh, from a market perspective, can be construed as, uh, as difficult to understand. Uh, the MR uh, tanker side, uh, we have uh, handies and MR tankers, uh, 15, and some uh, 16 and a half easy chems. On the dry side, we have uh, 36 uh, handies uh, from 28 to 37, uh, and uh, 58 to 60 supers and ultras. So we're very much focused. On the tanker side, we're tonnage providers. We have a joint venture with Vital. We run ships in the Maersk pool. On the dry side, uh, we, over 40 years, uh, are a long-established operator, 40-year relationships with, with major companies, evergreen contracts. Uh, we use the, the business for our own ships, and also we charter in third-party ships to, to enhance. So we're a fully-fledged uh, owner-operator, managing all the ships, technically and commercially, ourselves in-house. And we trade all over the world. Very strategic. We've come out of South Africa, the Indian Ocean, uh, it's a relationship business in, in this market. Uh, people trust, you know, you, you earn the trust of people and, and people will do business with you. Can you, can you um, go a little bit further into the, um, into the commercial side on dry bulk and, and, and maybe elaborate a, a little bit more deeply on the difference between, you know, being an operator as opposed to a, a tonnage provider? It's interesting, but we view an operator, basically, we, we operate the ships ourselves, as I say, technically, commercially, which means we fix them on the market. But also, 
we, uh, we have extensive contracts. We have some 40-year evergreen contracts with, with some major mining houses. And around that, we will triangulate our ships to, uh, to, to add value and, and at times keep them away from the market, so, so kind of not susceptible to, to spot market earnings and, and to value add. We're very focused on, on the dry side with only Japanese uh, fleet, modern uh, eco fleet, and it goes to relationships. So you have quality contracts where people want quality owners with quality ships. So it's a very, very focused business. The Japanese connection is interesting, and at least in my experience, uh, is a very valuable connection for a ship owner to have. Could you, could you go into that a little bit more deeply? Because I think it, it goes beyond just uh, building ships in Japan. Yeah, we do love Japan. We've been there over 25 years, and uh, it's all about trust. And, and yes, I have uh, drunk a lot of sake and sung a lot of karaoke over the years. It's inevitable what you do. We, we actually had a Japanese bank approach us the other day and said, can they talk to us for financing because they watched us for 20 years and liked our performance. So it's, for us, they build the best ships. It is all about relationships. Once you're in Japan, you get the trust. Uh, we've never renegotiated, never reneged on anything. And, and in return, you get some interesting deals. It's all about trust. Right, right. So, so in that respect, the deals are kind of the long-term charter-in type of arrangements, which allow you to have more capacity, but not necessarily having the same uh, Long, capital uh, in, yeah. invested. Long-term charters, also where the yards will come to you. We've done a couple. It was in in our Form 20F, a couple of well-priced Ultramax new buildings where where it's a relationship, and at times you support them, and every now and then you get a sweetheart deal back. But. Uh, you do have access. The Japanese trust very few people, and, and we jealously guard that relationship. Yeah. Well done. Well done. The, um, there's been recent weakness in the dry bulk stocks. Some attribute that to the trade tensions, the trade war, whatever, whatever term you want to use to describe it. Um, what's your view on that? And, and, and going further, you know, kind of in particular, what, what are you seeing trade route-wise, commodity-wise, uh, vessel utilization-wise, um, you know, a little bit more. Yeah, the trade war, it's, uh, what do we, we have uh, an unstoppable object hitting an immovable object, so by definition, one of them is wrong. Um, I thought, to be honest, thought it would have been resolved by now. It seems to be getting worse. From a dry cargo perspective, the commodity that's going to affect us, on, and basically only on the smaller sizes up to Panamax, is soya beans. And we're starting to see now that, that in, in, in the first month of American soya bean sales, uh, first month was down 23%, uh, some 900,000 tons down. Forward sales are off 11% already year on year. So this is starting to become a concern. And there's been a lot of talk about Europe importing more soya bean and, of course, South American countries importing. It's small fry. In, in reality, if this is as they're talking now, maybe 20 million tons of soya bean don't move it's going to make it a very difficult potentially end to the year to, to what is looking a very good dry cargo market. So uh, mm -hmm. it's a concern. Mm -hmm. But of course, from, from other ship types, I mean, coal, iron ore, it, it has no effect. It really is the soya bean, and, and, and that for us is a huge trade generally on this segment because it's also long haul trade from uh, America to, to, to China. Right, right. Thank you. How about the product tankers? Um, you said there you have, you have relationships with a few of the large players in, in the market. Um, how, how would you describe your, your profile in that sector and, and what's your outlook there? It's been obviously under considerable pressure. Yeah, we, we've always been tonnage providers over the years. The, the original unicorn green rod, South African oil majors would, would come to us, want to ship, we go to Japan or Korea, build it for them, put it on charter. 
and that was the deal. These days, of course, old majors put their older ships on markets, and also you have the three traders. So our business model has, has changed to a big degree where we are tonnage providers. Tanker market, is it where dry cargo was two and a half years ago? It's disastrous, but going forward, we see a lot of potential, IMO 2020, the, 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 the low sulfur, the MGO, it's going to be produced in Middle East, Far Eastern refineries. It's going to have to be shipped uh, around the world, especially to the Atlantic. Is there going to be floating storage? So we're very hopeful. And, of course, slow steaming. But I think for, for us, we're kind of, I think the next 12 months is literally to survive through this market. It, mm. it, it's brutal. Mm. We, did it, we saw it on the, on the tanker side. It is healthy, but it's tough, very tough. How would you, um, in assessing Grinrod's position relative to the other publicly traded peers, uh, how, how, would, how would you assess that? Well, obviously, for us, it's been a very tough start with, with, with the share price. We're, we're under half of where we listed at. Um, there are reasons. We, we've had some natural sellers within South Africa that were invested in our parent company at the time for African infrastructure and, uh, and emerging markets. And there's been one, uh, one major seller out there which we've now uh, identified and we're in the process of discussing with them uh, placing the, those shares in, in hands of investors over here. But I think the whole market generally, it's not specific, everyone is off and I think we need all shipping stocks to, to, to rise. From NAV perspective, we're obviously having a lot of meetings and I think people are wondering, did we get our pricing wrong or is there a disconnect? And, and it is tough, but we would like to think that if we can get this, these four sellers, at least get them sorted out, uh, and then we can go forward. But I think the market generally need all shipping stocks to, to, to be feeling good at the moment, and we need the market to help. Yeah. And, and what about, you know, say in the near term, 6, 12, 18 months investment opportunities? How do you, how do you look at that? Um, it's an interesting one because obviously you don't want to chase a market. We, we see on the dry side still some potentially interesting deals out there from Japan. Uh, there are some resales, uh, some secondhand. Uh, it's all relative to price. We're also potentially discussing people, ships for shares, basis NAV. So there are people that want to do deals. On the tanker side, uh, some, maybe some interesting deals. But again, from the tanker side, if we were to invest, we'd be, have to do it in, in conjunction with one of our partners. So. Uh, we will see what happens, but uh, for us, I think our growth will be on the dry side, and we still see uh, some possibilities without going berserk. Let's not go berserk. No, <laughs> we don't need any more ships ordered. Yeah. So maybe you touched on it a little bit, but, but um, how, do you, how do you see going about re-energizing the share price? Obviously, that's critical. Yeah, I'll just say, we, 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 we have one or two natural sellers which we're engaging with. Um, there is a share, we are now, a share buyback program uh, has been approved as well. But also, we're looking to simplify our structure. We, we have a lot of joint ventures, both on the dry and, and the tanker side, which, when we were part of Grinrub, was all part of the strategy, whereby off-balance sheet, you know, partnering other people. We appreciate that for the market here that, that, that this doesn't work, so we have to kind of... Uh, tidy up those joint ventures and, and make it a far more simpler process. And we'd like to think that in, in, in 12, 18 months from now, it will be a far easier company to, to, to understand. But we, we do appreciate that uh, we've come to market with not the most optimal structure. Mm -hmm. 
I've seen in some of your presentations um, some of the comparisons you make towards industry benchmarks, uh, particularly on the dry bulk side, earnings-wise. Maybe it's back to some of the discussion we had a few moments ago on, on your, your commercial strategy and position, but could you speak a little bit further on, on the, the company's performance uh, in, in that respect? Yeah, we've, uh, as I say, we, we're, we're owners, operators of ships, so obviously we benchmark ourselves against some of our peers, but, but also against the indices, the Baltic Handy Index and the, and the Baltic Supermax 58 Index, and the guys are, are set up to, to, to beat that. Um, it's remarkably difficult to do on a consistent basis and steadily outperform, but we find that by using a combination of cargo and quality ships, you, you can make above market. But uh, it, it gets more difficult, of course, in, in the modern world with, with Adrian here, investorvalue.com, there are no secrets anymore in the world. Everyone knows where everyone's trading. So it does get harder. But we still uh, believe that, that with a quality fleet and relationships that people will pay a premium for, for, for the right counterparty. And, and uh, it's a lot of hard work, but that's what we, we, we target. Give the audience a, a sense of the scope of your operation in terms of personnel, offices, you know, what, what are the key locations? Uh, the, the head office is, is Singapore. We have 61 people in Singapore. We've been there since 2004. We deliberately uh, domiciled ourselves there. The Singapore government, full support. We're the only Asian, uh, or Singapore-based, even Asian-based uh, company quoted on, on a New York exchange. We like the transparency governance, uh, we've nothing to hide, we have no uh, in, uh, third party related transactions. We have a big office in, in South Africa, 60 odd people, an office in Tokyo and London and, and Rotterdam. So staff wise, we're about 150 uh, shore based staff. And from a, a trading perspective, I say we, we, we've evolved out of South Africa, Indian Ocean, and, and we, we trade internationally, but you also, for us, it's very important to have a core business that uh, where, where the fleet, uh, a percentage of the fleet can be employed with, with, with cover. And again, 30, 40 year relationships are to be cherished and, and people, you know, you, you don't throw them away just because the market changes and vice versa. So again, very targeted. Long term. Long term. We're winding down, uh, and to uh, to keep it on time, we'll uh, we'll say to me it's uh, it's a new kid on the block, but a kid who's been around the block uh, for a many times. So welcome, welcome to New York. Good luck with uh, with getting that stock price up, and uh, we look forward to continuing uh, the conversation. Thank you, Ted. Thank you, everyone. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you very much.